Shut up and sit down. Listening to The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. Here's your host, John Lund. Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. I'm your host, John Lund, the multimedia sports enthusiast, bringing you this sports show. What's it like to have a national show on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio? We'll take a look at that and whatever else I happen to have up my sleeve on episode 57 of The Bridge. (laughs) Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome back to another installment of The Bridge, coming to you live on Sports Radio America every Wednesday night, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, to bring you the best and brightest of the sports world. That's right, The Bridge is live on Sports Radio America every Wednesday night, though the show is technically pre-recorded. If you do miss the live show, the podcast version of The Bridge is available 48 hours after the initial broadcast, which means you can find the newest episode on iTunes or on my website at londonbridge.com on Friday nights. I'll save all the ways you can listen to The Bridge and where you can find the show until the end of this latest installment. If anything, you can call in or text into the show 24-7 at 929-BRIDGE-7. That's 929-274-3437. Contact the show with your questions, comments, stories, or hot takes, and you'll be featured in the next installment of The Bridge. All right, let's get into the fun stuff. Give me the siren. It's always intriguing to watch former or current professional athletes poke fun at their star counterparts. Whether it's comparing championships or individual accomplishments, we at least get the feeling that athletes are worthy of making those comparisons. Sometimes, however, those discussions or debates can go a little bit too far. It's time for the number one news anchor parody segment in sports radio... Here's this week's edition of Sports News Read Like Real News. We already know that the NBA features the best basketball players in the world. Unlike football and baseball, only five men can play on a team. It's a fast-paced, razzle-dazzle game that requires quick wits and even faster reflexes. Here's how it's done in the professional ranks. The National Basketball Association, featuring the best players in the world. The best players in the world. The best. But even the best basketball players in the world make mistakes, which can sometimes be quite embarrassing. Back in 2011, recently retired Shaquille O'Neal, the star of Kazam and eventual Hall of Famer, helped develop Shaqed and a Fool, a weekly segment during Inside the NBA that features humorous or wacky basketball plays. Shaq serves as the host and presenter, while other analysts in studio offer their commentaries. Anything associated with the association is fair game, from players and coaches to fans and mascots. The segment has certainly grown in popularity, but it's not a segment that players necessarily want to gain popularity from. That said, when you think Shaqed in a Fool, one NBA player immediately comes to mind, JaVale McGee. McGee is a two-time Shaqed in a Fool MVP whose highlights on this segment most likely made fans ponder why he was still even in the league. In 2014, he even received the Shaqed in a Fool Lifetime Achievement Award. He's been featured regularly on the segment and has never been happy about it, which came to fruition this past week. 
McGee now plays with the Golden State Warriors. Yes, the journeyman is still in the league and has actually been fitting in quite nicely in his new role with Golden State. But when Inside the NBA was covering the Los Angeles Clippers and Warriors game, Shaq had one more dig up his sleeve. Instead of the usual reel of bloopers, a parody trailer of Doctor Strange was played, featuring some appearances by the former Kazam star, along with the many guffaws of JaVale McGee from the past several seasons. It was well played, though not necessarily warranted, and proved to be the straw that broke JaVale McGee's back. He took to Twitter and started with a message to Shaq, saying, Get my peanut emoji, or nuts, out of your mouth and EAD. For those of you at home, EAD is shortened to what you would expect it to be to go along with a peanut emoji. He followed with, he woke up and I was the first thing on his mind when he made that video. That ain't weird to y'all? Maybe he's in love with me. Maybe I should be flattered. I don't know, guys. It didn't take long for Shaq's reply, which was, don't be acting like you a G, I'll smack the shit out of your bum ass, you da one that be looking stupid with your dumb ass, hashtag bum ass. Yes, even though Shaq has a doctorate, his mastering of the English language, at least on social media, might be lacking some. Shaq then went on to say, Now, since you want a good team, you want to act like you a player. Now stop it, you will only be remembered for Shaq and a fool. Hashtag once again, bumass. Things then escalated quite quickly, with McGee calling Shaq a word not quite suited for radio, and Shaq saying, we'll see how tough JaVale McGee is when they see each other next. McGee's final comment was, forget being on a good team, I'm a grown man, you had these nuts in your mouth for five to six years now, you thought I was just gone stay silent? Overall, not quite the reaction that those from TNT probably had in mind for the league. So how did the feud at least cool off for now? Did TNT issue a statement? Did Commissioner Adam Silver announce a celebrity deathmatch? Nay nay. Shaq was silenced by the person who holds even more power than his employer or the NBA, his mother. Indeed, Lucille O'Neal threw down her staff and told her son that his beef with JaVale McGee was over. JaVale McGee's mother, Pamela, a former player in the WNBA, also voiced her opinion that Shaq should lose his job for the cyberbullying of her son. If anything, Mama does indeed know best, and the torch for the next Shackton a Fool MVP has certainly been passed. I'm John Lund, for Sports News, read like real news. Let's take a quick break to practice our free throws. When we come back, we'll talk to a Sirius XM sports show host about breaking into the radio business. We'll be right back on the bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. As you heard earlier in the show, you can call in or text into the bridge at 929-BRIDGE-7. That's 929-274-3437. Now, we do like to pose a question each show to help give you the urge to call in or text in to the bridge. And this week, we want to know who is most deserving of this year's Shacked in a Fool MVP. Now, before we get into the interview with this week's guest, let me just set the scene a little bit for what's coming up on the show. As some of you may know, I've been lucky enough to talk to several different hosts from Mad Dog Sports Radio, which is Channel 82 on Sirius XM. I've spoken to both members of The Morning Men, the program director for the station and new host of Dog Day Sports from 1 to 3 Eastern Time, Mr. Steve Torrey, and started off this little soiree of Mad Dog Sports Radio hosts with Tom Byrne, who was on Point After on Sundays during the football season. He's on the weekends on Mad Dog Sports Radio and also on NBA Radio. 
Thankfully, my luck has continued, and I was fortunate enough to get some time with Patrick Maher, who is the host of The Rap, now without a W, just R-A-P. That's on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Monday through Friday, 9 to midnight Eastern Time, or 6 to 9 Pacific Coast, where he is actually in Los Angeles. Definitely a big fan of the show. He used to be on from 11 to 2 Eastern Time, so coming home from work, being able to turn that on, listen to the witty banter that would go back and forth on that show was always great and continues to be great now in his new time slot on the station. So we spoke for quite a while last week, which is actually why our interview will be split into two parts. You'll hear part one shortly of his journey from college and a couple of odd-end jobs to getting too serious on the now-defunct Cosmo channel with Cocktails with Patrick. And next week, we will get into how he got to Mad Dog Sports Radio in Los Angeles and some of the different things he does with the show The Rap Now. So we did the interview last week, then we chatted even more off the air, and he's a great dude, has incredible stories, is very open with his life on air, and is definitely somebody that you can just go out and have a beer with and not ever run out of things to talk about. And while I was putting the show together, I also asked him if he wanted to promote his appearance on my show on his show on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Just because this was the first time he's ever done a podcast about his life, and I'm sure his listeners would be quite interested in knowing what he's about. Well, he took that one step farther, and instead of just briefly mentioning it on his show this week or having me on very briefly to just say that it was happening and maybe get people used to my radio voice, he ended up having me on his show as a guest. I was part of a tease going into break. I had an introduction before I came on air. It was like I felt like some bigwig celebrity that he usually has on his show night tonight. When in reality, I'm just a guy doing a sports podcast from his childhood bedroom. Aside from that, I'd like to play you some of our conversation that we ended up having on Tuesday night to help promote this show and potentially get people to listen. So you'll not only get a better sense of Patrick before you hear him speak to me, but you might get a better sense about what this show has been about up until now and what you might end up hearing in future shows. So without further ado, let's kick this to the wrap. Monday through Friday, Mad Dog Sports Radio on Sirius XM, 9 to 12 Eastern Time, 6 to 9 Pacific. Here's Patrick talking sports cliches we've got a kid a really nice guy john lunn who he's done podcasts he does a podcast and he's done a bunch with i think evco radio and Babchick and steve tory a bunch of people across the channel he was there at falcon last year really nice guy and uh, he had asked a long time ago and i for some reason i was busy but i did his podcast like last week and did you hear what i just said i said like so he sent me a clip and the audio's terrible because it's a phone, and I immediately told John, like, I can go, I can get into a studio. And I guess it was too late. But in the clip that he sent me, I had had, like, a Starbucks coffee, and I said, like, more times than a 13-year-old teenager, and I just stopped it. And I have no clue what the rest of the—I have no clue what the rest of the podcast sounds like. I said, like, 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 like I was Miley effing Cyrus, okay? Or her sister. Um, that's to say, cut these kids. This is supposed to be my profession. I'm supposed to be a broadcaster and I couldn't not finish a sentence without saying like, so that's embarrassing. At the end of the day, I need to stop saying that. We've got a lot of football to do. We're going to talk just in a couple of minutes with our buddy, John Lunn, who does a podcast that you can hear a lot of the Mad Dog Sports Radio personality. So you want to get a little bit of a different side of Evco Radio or Babchick or Steve Torrey. Uh, you can find it on John Lunn's po podcast. We're going to talk to John next. Here's your host, Patrick Maher. Hey, remember when we were talking about Left Coast Live during a hotbox and they were doing puns and cliches? How about this one, Dustin? John Lund at London Bridge on Twitter, huh? You with me? That's strong. And his radio show is called The Bridge. I like that. Well, I like that. that. That's that's better than the rap without a W. You can listen. You can listen to the bridge, which is a show live on Sports Radio America. It's every America. 
every Wednesday night at 7 East, so tomorrow night, 7 East. Also can be found on John's website, London Bridge, L-U-N-D-I-N, bridge.com, and the Bridge Sports Podcast on iTunes on Fridays. All right, I spoke with John last week, and he has a bunch of stuff. All kidding aside, if you do like the station and you like some of the uh, personalities, including Morning Men and Steve Torrey, who runs the station, you can listen to The Bridge and get a little behind-the-scenes action. And with that, we bring in our buddy, John. Hello, John. Hello, Patrick. It's a pleasure to speak with you with such a great preview and subtleties to the name of my show and my Twitter handle as well. You can't be too cocky or coy when you do stuff like that. It's better to just come right out with something like that. And I actually have to thank Fergie for being the inspiration for that. Remember that old tune? How come every time you come around, my London, London Bridge is going down? (laughs) She was really what made me decide to do that when I was doing college radio. So I'm sure she's probably listening, and she deserves some shout-out as well. Yeah, whenever I'm going through a tough time at work and looking for inspiration, I think of the Black Eyed Peas. I'm just like you. Uh, First off, okay, so you and I talked last week, and you sent me the clips, and this is what Dustin deals with all the time. As soon as I heard the clips, Dustin, I was like, it was a phoner. And for some reason, my phone, I thought, sounded terrible. So immediately, I was like, scrap it. We're redoing it. I can't stand it to sound badly. And then also, I told John when we started talking, I had a full iced coffee and my brain. Like, I'll usually, John, get an iced coffee, and I'll take a few sips, and then I'll just leave it sitting there next to the computer. That day, I pounded a whole one. And so I apologize. I was a freaking mile a minute, could not stop talking. Well, isn't that California living in a way to have you have an iced coffee to start your day? Isn't that the facade that people wait? Think hold you on, do hold on. You're not drinking ice. You're not drinking iced coffees on the East Coast. Is this something I'm just learning now? Because I drink them oh, on the no, East Coast. I, I absolutely do as well. And I had my two coffees before I spoke with you as well, so I can equal what energy you were going to bring to me. I didn't want to be the guy that was sounding dead on my end, but it just seems like if people were to put a picture together of a California person, they would probably say that they're walking on the beach holding some sort of ice beverage. In our case, it would probably be best to be an alcoholic one, but I did also have some coffee before we spoke as well. I thought you sounded fine, and I know you're a little bit of a perfectionist with how things sound, as I am as well, but as I mentioned to you, some of the people that I've had on in the past on their phone There's wind in the background. They might have it too far away from their mouth. So overall, I think it was good. And if we were to go into the studio, we'd have to rehash that whole hour and a half or so conversation that we had. Let me ask you. Hold on. Hold on, John. Let me ask you. So you've been to Falcon, and you have also talked to – at the station, you've talked to Tori. You've talked to Babchick. You've talked to Evco Radio, and that can be found at LondonBridge.com, all the archives. You talked to those guys, and was there anything talking to the three of them that you took away that you didn't know about them before you spoke with them? Well, I do also have to add that if you did get an invite to Falcon last year, you could have also got your picture taken with Lisa Ann, as you were talking about in the first hour of the show. Has she, she been on the friend. bridge? Has she been on the bridge? Oh, no, she has not been on the bridge. I don't know if I would have the courage without some liquid courage to try and get her to come onto the show. Are you a fan of hers? Are you a fan of... Absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. All of her work, really, if if you think about that. But when she comes in the studio for the hot box, I think you have to get a picture with her just to rub it in the morning mat's face. You don't need them to meet Lisa Ann. But getting to your question, what I found most interesting with talking to everyone. The three that you mentioned, I also started off my Sirius XM4, if you will, with Tom Byrne, who was on Point After on Sundays yeah. football season and does his thing on NBA radio as well, is that everyone was just incredibly open with having an interview done to them, whereas they're usually the people doing the interviews, doing the preparation, it's maybe a little strange for radio people to have the shoe on the other foot. And you also as well were incredibly open with any question that I was able to come up with. Just getting a behind-the-scenes look at what goes into a show, how those gentlemen got to where they are today, including yourself, 
was incredibly interesting to me and I hope interesting to the listeners as well. You don't hear a lot of that necessarily when shows are going on. You're very open, obviously, about what goes on in your day-to-day life. You're able to on your show. Some shows don't go that route, but it was really great to just get a different look at those guys that maybe people might not know from just hearing the day-to-day. Yeah, I was surprised. We're talking to John Lund, The Bridge. You can find it on iTunes. I was surprised, Dustin, when he told me that he was surprised that radio guys would want to talk about themselves because when a radio guy is doing an interview, would you agree with this, Dustin? All they're thinking is, why isn't this celebrity asking me questions? Basically, what I'm saying is if you're a radio host, you will interview yourself in a mirror, ask yourself questions, and talk back to you. So the fact that John, who does a legit podcast, would actually ask questions. Uh, they're tripping over themselves to get on it. Um, who has been your favorite? Now, you've interviewed people like reporters. You've interviewed a, a myriad of people. Who's been, in the time you've been doing The Bridge, who's been your favorite conversation? Well, I would say it's a twofold answer. The first part would be dealing with radio people and media guests, talking to Freddie Coleman, who has one of the... Yeah radio voices that there is and getting to know a little bit more about him and what he's done on ESPN radio. When you turn him on, it's almost like you're lulled into this sense that you feel at home. And it was great to hear about all the things that he's done in his journey from doing classic rock movie or radio. I listen to that dude on my drive home. He's on at night, right? Freddie Coleman. That's late night. Yeah. He's he's awesome. Uh, Freddie and Fitz, he now has a co-host, but somebody just happened to come across his voice and said, hey, I think he would be really good for radio while he was giving a speech at a wedding. So keep that in mind in case anybody has to give a speech at a wedding. You never know who might be listening. But I also do have to give a shout-out to the gentleman mentioned in the open to your show from Dog's infamous rant during his Super Bowl trivia, and that being Jerry Kramer former offensive guard of the Green Bay Packers, getting to speak with him about his football playing days and hear his stories and get to research about him beforehand and then pretty much have him rehash all of those things to me was just great and also a little humorous as well just because I know he's a familiar name on the station to be able to put a voice behind what dog had to say about him during that rant was all that's great. not Forrest Greg it is not Jerry Kramer so you heard the infamous dog rant which we play at the beginning of the show how were you able a guy that you know listen I think you do a great job but it is a podcast that you're trying to work on get it bigger and bigger how were you able to get a football legend to come on your podcast Well, that's another shout-out to Mike Babchik of The Morning Men. We were discussing that famous rant, and out of the blue, he sent me Jerry Kramer's number. (laughs) Babchik is crazy. That's funny. It's similar to what maybe Mike Wilbon might do with his name dropping on PTI. This was an incredible name drop on his part. I know a lot of people might think that He might not put in a lot of work to his show, but as I was able to find out just from speaking with him, he does do a lot of stuff behind the scenes. And I just cold called him from getting his number out of the blue without him knowing who I was, trying to introduce myself in like a minute's time. I'm either doing something like that on a cold call or trying to convince someone to come on my show in 140 characters or fewer. So there's really no room for error, and you're really just shooting into the dark. But for whatever reason, he decided to do so, and it turned out to be a great spot. So I have to give Mike a little bit of credit for that in sort of setting me up to make that happen as well. And now I think Mike might be fired for giving away <laughs> giving away contacts. He could be. Yeah, he could be. He, it's probably you know what that's probably like the on the one millionth worst thing he's ever done. So he if he hasn't been fired at this point, he won't be. Um, okay, so let me ask you this, Falcon, you went last year, okay? I have been invited by the boys this year. I was not invited last year. Just as a side note, I emailed Evco Radio today. I was like, yo, I'm going to get work to pay for this, right? And he goes, well, I mean, I invited you as a friend. I'm like, hold up a second. But then, So is he paying for your flight then? I mean, he's got couple houses maybe he could put up he, he could probably put the, bill the dude could pay for my trip with the with the change in his couch but my bigger point was like this is a work trip i'm coming to support 
Falcon, I want to come. I want to support the boys. I think it'd be great. And he was like, yeah, maybe you could work it into a work trip. Um, but the point is, we, 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 mean Dustin and I, hope to be there for Falcon this year. And so for the rest of those people that are listening that haven't been to Falcon yet and are thinking about going this year, John, set it up for us. What is Falcon? Well, the best part about Falcon for me was that I went into it with an incredibly open mind because I really didn't know much about the morning men when I attended the event. I just thought it would be something cool to do and walked in without too much knowledge of the show, but quickly caught on to what they do. They did a two-hour live spot from the bar that they had the event at. Dog did the interview or the preview for it before they got on. They did some of their normal segments. I believe that included the draft, and they interacted with some of the people that were there. Mike Babchek was working the room. He was on the floor. They were up in this gallery, maybe, on the second floor, so they were looking down upon everyone like the Lord might look down <laughs> on his disciples, yeah. which is a pretty great metaphor for the fouls and the people that were there. But it was a two-hour show. It is not Fuzzy Thurston! I did not not mean to hit that. I apologize. That came out of nowhere. Go ahead. Perfect. Anytime we could hear that rant is great. So afterward, they just mingled with the crowd. You got to have a little photo booth session with the two of them and Lisa Ann as well to take home a little souvenir afterward. And as the night wore on, the drinks continued to flow. One of the persons that was there was a foul who also happened to work with Guinness. So we were able to do that for a couple hours, open bar, nothing wrong with that. And as the night wore on, we got a little bit more friendly with each other. We made tons of friends with the different fouls that had traveled from all across the country to come to this event. It was incredible just to see the amount of support that the morning men have from its listeners and in turn get to know not only Mike and Evan, but the people that listen to the show as well. So it's an all-night affair. What's actually a little funny is that the next day was Mother's Day, but because what I had done the night before, I was actually late to my Mother's Day obligation. (laughs) So I had to profusely apologize to my mother for being late to that lunch and just say it was one of the best networking things I've ever done, and that begs to still be true. So in a way, that worked out, but it's an incredible event. It's only going to get better this year from what they've been saying about it. So I'm looking forward to it and looking forward to having you guys down there as well. I'm sure everybody will really enjoy it. Yeah, Dustin and I, you know what? I'm going to make sure it happens, and and I'll buy you a beer when we do. The Bridge, it's a show live on Sports Radio America every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. You can also find information on John's website, londonbridge.com, and the Bridge Sports Podcast on iTunes on Fridays. And, hey, listen, our... I guess ours is going to be aired tomorrow, the first part of two. Even if you don't air it, like I told you on the phone, uh, I enjoyed talking to you. You're a really good dude, and I appreciate you coming on the show tonight, John. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Patrick. It was a pleasure. Now we can get back to me just calling in to offer my ranting sports opinions, like everybody does that listens to the show as well. But looking forward to hearing the final product in the next couple of weeks. I really appreciated you coming on, and it was a lot of fun. Hopefully people will tune in and enjoy it as much as I did as well. Yeah, no, John's a good dude. I enjoyed talking to him. He's a really big radio guy. Loves radio. Loves Mad Dog Sports Radio. So I thought, give him a quick pop there. I Again, I couldn't stand when he sent me the little clip, it was just like, all I could say was like, 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 like it was a 13 year old chick. And then the phone quality tripped my brain out to the point where I just shut it off. And I said, just post whatever you want. <laughs> like, I don't like whatever. See, I can't stop now. Subconsciously, I got like in my brain. I mean, it's a generational thing. We all say it a lot. that are like under 45. I just said like before I said that. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Unfortunately, I now have to follow that act, and you're going to get to hear the roles reversed and me ask the questions and probably think, yeah, let's go back to that other guy. But as I mentioned, Patrick is the host of The Rap, now without the W, just R-A-P. However, when you look for the show on Twitter, it is at The Rap Radio, T-H-E-W-A-R-P Radio. 
They potentially might change that. It took them a lot of work to get that prestigious blue check mark. So as of now, it's at the rap radio. Don't think that you'll be able to get in contact with Patrick there. However, he does not associate himself with the Twitter handle for his show. That responsibility goes to the great producer, Dustin Sweetelson. He's tasked with managing that account, checking out the comments, hoping that a very attractive woman might even slide into the DMs. Patrick doesn't really do social media, which you'll get to hear a little bit later. So to wrap things up with a W, part one will air tonight. You can find the interview on iTunes or at LondonBridge.com on Friday night, which would be March 3rd. Then next week on Wednesday night, part two will air at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Then once part two airs on Wednesday, March 8th, Everything will be released on Friday, March 10th, meaning instead of having part one as an episode and part two as an episode on my website or on iTunes, I will combine everything together for part two. So on Friday, March 10th, you'll be able to find the full interview with Patrick at LondonBridge.com or on iTunes by searching for The Bridge Sports Podcast. And all of the information on where you can find all of that will be repeated at the end of this show. All that being said, without further ado, let's get into that interview. We're here with Patrick Maher. He is the host of The Rap, now without the W, on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio, Monday through Friday, 9 to midnight Eastern Time. Patrick, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? John, solid intro. Good, buddy. Thanks for having me. Well, I've been listening to you now for two or three years, so I know all about a solid intro just from your show in general. It's nice to get to reverse the Good roles. Good job, by the way. Real quick, not to interrupt you, but good job, by the way, on the, on the last name. We were talking about it before we came on the air. Say it one more time. How do you say my last name? Patrick Maher. Say it like Dog says it. Moa. Patrick Moa. Say it like Tori says it. Maher. Maher. Say it like Leslie says it. Oh, Leslie, I'm not sure how she pronounces it. <laughs> okay. No, remember Leslie that used to call it? Dude, it turned into, because Dog doing that whole Mawa thing turned into this where I never have a conversation with, like, Evan Cohen or Batrick or anybody that's associated with Mad Dog Sports Radio without them starting with Mawa. They're obsessed with Dog's pronunciation of my name. Dude, do you realize that the name is a rap? First off, I can't stand it. Like, I never liked the name. But do you realize that the name, the rap, like when we switched times, like up two hours, a, a couple of months ago, whenever it was, we were trying to figure out what the name of the show was going to be because we wanted to rebrand. And then one, one day out of nowhere, Bill Zimmerman, who produces Mad Dog Unleashed, he writes in, he's like, so I have an idea. Why don't we just call it the rap and drop the W since you're not wrapping up the night? And we're all stupid radio people. We're, our minds were just blown. We're just like... That's it. That's amazing. Like, we couldn't even figure out how he came up with it. It's the most basic name of all time. Also, the best part of you rebranding was the several conversations on air, and I'm sure off, of what it would do for you to get rid of the rap radio Twitter handle now that it's verified and take the W off for it to just be the rap radio, even though that's been taken. It's a big thing now on social media for you guys to now find that new brand. Should you get rid of the W, it's an amazing thing to have to discuss. Nobody realizes what goes into doing a show. Well, and it's it's specific, and we, you know I'm weird, but I don't tweet or read the tweets on the air or anything like that because I really do think it's the Twitter's kind of taken over radio in a weird way. But I know that Dustin, who's my producer, I know that he literally got the biggest boner of all time when we got the blue check mark. So when we switched the show name. It got awkward because it's still at the rap radio with a W, but so every time I talk about the show name, I have to say with a W, which, which really freaks people's brains out, but it's a distinction I have to make. Right, and you do have 33,000-plus followers, I believe, if I remember correctly, so maybe they're just comfortable with it having the W, but they'll probably follow you wherever you go. Something that you'll get to talk to Dustin about as we go on, so people that are just tuning into this or don't know any of these names or what the hell we're talking about, we will get into that. I wanted to start off with a typical radio question that you've probably been a part of throughout your many years doing this. 
if I were to ask you who the most famous person is on your phone or the most famous person you know that you could get on your show, say, tonight with a couple phone calls, who would that be? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> the most famous, like, I don't know. I'm not good with famous. Maybe for me, like, my, my idea of fame is a little bit different. But Jude, Jude, Rude Jude from Chase 45 is one of my friends. We went to high school together. And I feel like he's the most talented person I know. So if I called him right now, I could get him. I know that's a boring answer, but uh, probably Jude. Because, I mean, I have people in my phone, but I don't think I necessarily want to talk to them. Right. That, that was going to be my follow-up. <laughs> like, even though you might have these quote-unquote famous people, it's like it's nice to have them on air, but I wouldn't necessarily want to call them to just shoot the shit. So let me turn back the clocks a little bit. I know you grew up in Michigan, and if we go off stereotypes, people probably think you just spent your whole time, say, fishing and watching sports. I thought we could go back to maybe your college days, some of the things you studied there, and a Cliff Notes edition of how you ended up getting some employment opportunities after graduation and where that path started. I like the way you phrased that. Let's see. So, yeah, I grew up in Michigan. And you know what's funny is before we started this conversation, you were like, I was trying to do some research on you and I Googled you and that's probably a bad idea. And I was just thinking about that as you said that because I've never Googled myself and it's not, oh, I'm so cool. But it's just like what you don't know can't hurt you. So I have no clue what is said, but I can just quickly tell you that I grew up in Michigan. I went to college in South Carolina at the University of South Carolina. And when I was finishing up school, I knew I always wanted to do sports radio. So randomly from our college house in Columbia, I called WDFN in Detroit and spoke with a young lady named Rona, who was the intern coordinator at the time. And I just begged her for an internship. And I left South Carolina for good just to go to uh, Detroit to take the, the internship. So that was kind of my path. I just I, I knew I wanted to be in sports radio, and I knew the only way to do it was to start interning and start networking. So that's what I did. Where did you end up bouncing around, not only through radio, but just with some odd-end jobs that you might have had to also take to make ends meet in the early goings of the radio industry? Well, this is, I mean, I've literally, I've, dude, I've had every single job you could possibly, this is the easiest job I've ever had. Every day I'm like, this is going to go away because radio is the most basic, easy job I've ever had compared to pouring concrete or even working in retail or working, you know, at Damon's restaurant in Columbia, South Carolina, serving or bartending. If you name a job, even at a gun range, I used to be the dude that pulled the pigeons. If you name a job, John, I like the job that I had before I took, I went to Sirius in 2005, was I was the dude when you pull up to get your oil change, I was the dude in the pit underneath the car. <laughs> and that was, a, by the way, that was a promotion because prior to that, I was the dude at the same place when the cars came out of the car wash that drives the car. So my last job in, in Columbia, South Carolina, was changing oil and drying cars. Excuse me, Charleston, South Carolina. Because when I lived there, I used to gamble and play poker online. And I just got really bad at it after making a living off of it for about a year and a half. And when I was really bad at gambling, I decided I needed a job. And I went to work at a car wash. So it's a long way of saying every job that you could think of I've had. Was there a low point for you while you were trying to either get back into radio or move up through radio where you thought that maybe it was something that just wasn't going to work out? Yeah, absolutely. I, when I was in Charleston, I got a call from an old radio friend that had got a job with Sirius at the time. It wasn't even Sirius XM. And he got a job on the Maxim channel. Maxim magazine at the time had, had bought a channel on Sirius. And he asked me, to, to come up and, and try out for it. And so I'm, tw I think, 25 at the time. I was working at the car wash, like I said, and I flew up to New York City, my first time ever in New York City, and I auditioned, and I got the job. And then I went back to Charleston. I was living with my girlfriend, this chick at the time, and I was like, I think I have a job in New York. I have to go. I packed up my truck, packed up my dog. Halfway up to New York City, I got a call from a person 
that was working at the channel and said, yeah, they took the offer off the table. You no longer have the job. So I had, I turned around. I think I was in like Virginia or something. I turned around and went back to the chick's house and was completely distraught. I don't know. Having something offered and having it taken away from you, it's, it's worse. It, it felt worse than maybe not even having the offer, but it was a great experience. You know, it was a good experience of having that letdown because it made me a lot more hungry. How did you then end up getting too serious without being told that there wasn't an opportunity? What got you in the door and what got you to stay there? So then about six months later, after I went back to that chick's house, a friend of mine in New York City said, hey, you can come crash with us for a couple of months and, and see if you want to, you know, actually try to get something going in New York because I loved it up there. And so I went and crashed at their house and um, I got a job a part-time job running boards at Sirius, which basically is for people that don't know radius, like you sit in front of a board and you pot up the levels and stuff like that. So I got a job just running a board at Sirius. And once I got in the door, I knew that that was, you know, my opportunity. I know you as a sports guy, and I'm sure many of your current listeners only know you as that. But when you got behind the microphone at Sirius, I don't think the people that may have been listening to you then or may have hired you knew that you were a sports guy. What were your first on-air positions at Sirius and the channel that they happened to be for as well? So ever since I was 14, I was with my dad in our Honda, and he showed me sports radio. Like, that's the only thing I wanted to do. I was beyond, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And when I ended up back at Sirius, I got this job, you know, running the boards, like I told you, and then randomly, I got a phone call from this lady that said they're starting up a Cosmo channel. Cosmopolitan Magazine, similar to Maxim Magazine, had bought a channel, and they needed a dude to do a radio show from the guy's perspective. And they said, we just need some bodies. We just need some bodies to fill in and, you know, try out for the hosting position. And immediately I was like, absolutely not. I need to do sports. I'm going to do sports, blah, blah, blah. But I reluctantly went to the tryout. And at the time, I think Jerry O'Connell, like they had these quote-unquote celebrities that they wanted to hire. And I was just a dude kind of thrown in the mix. And then I did a, a audition, and, I, and it went well. It went to Kate White, who at the time was running Cosmo. And she called me in for a meeting, and she was like, uh, we want to hire you to be the, the male voice on Cosmo. And I was like, uh, no, I'm a sports guy. There's no way I'm going to do a chick, chick show. And she was like, just do it for one year and we'll see how it goes. And I was like, okay, because accepting that got me insurance. It got me a salary that at the time, I mean, it was really not much, but it was more than my dad ever even made. You know what I mean? So I was ripping out and I accepted the job and I wanted to do it for one year. And I think it lasted eight and a half years, which in, which in radio. I mean, in radio, that's like 100 years, so it's crazy. But, yeah, no, I did, I did a show basically talking to chicks about, you know, relationships, and it was, it was probably the most special experience of my life. The listeners were amazing, and I still think about it all the time. And this was the show deemed Cocktails with Patrick. Which is equally a trifling name, just like the rap, but Cosmo was about alliteration or, you know, so they talked. I was in the middle of the day, happy hour, East Coast, so they decided to call it Cocktails with Patrick. And, uh, yeah, call it whatever you want, because, I mean, I kept on getting checks and I kept on getting insurance. And then it kind of took on a life of its own where it was, um, you know, a dedicated... It was, it was a lot of fun. I, I really think about those times fondly. What would you say was the most wild thing that you had to talk about, either as a topic that you came up with or something that maybe a caller brought to the table while you were on Cocktails with Patrick? A girl called up one time and talked to me about her husband. And her husband was, I deduced, was emotionally and potentially physically abusive. So I playing like Sigmund Freud, thought I was brilliant, thought I was going to disseminate the best advice of all time, and I started telling her what she needed to do and what her husband needed to do. I mean, I just thought that I knew everything, which is the most ridiculous thing ever, but I was, you know, I was just faking it till I made it, and I here telling her she needs to get a divorce, and I'm telling her what she needs to do with her life, and the conversation ends, and I'm thinking, man, I'm awesome. I'm a great person. I just fixed that person's life, and then two days later, I'm walking out of work, 
and this guy approaches me, and he comes up to me and goes, you Patrick? And I go, yeah. And immediately I'm like, this dude, this dude's about to fight me. This dude's about to punch me. And it ends up, it's, it's the lady that I spoke to two days ago. It's her husband. And immediately I sensed that he was about to, he wanted to row. So I talked to him and we ended up drinking until 2.30 in the morning on 57th Street in Manhattan. And, and by the time it was done, like hugging and I was just apologizing. I don't know who the ass I thought I was giving your wife advice about you. There's always two sides to every story. People, I should never have judged you before I do and vet you. So that's a long-winded way of saying uh, not a topic, but a scenario that ended up being pretty crazy. So for the listeners that might be in or near Los Angeles and know where SiriusXM's located, just let it be known if you call into Patrick on the rap without the W, maybe you can get drinks after the show if things go well on the phone or if they don't. So that's a great, great <laughs> anecdote. What an amazing story. I'm glad you guys didn't throw hands and, and got drinks instead. Did that show come to an end because the Cosmo Channel ended up coming to an end? Yeah, no, that's a good question. It, it came to, I mean, I think the show had run its course. I think that I probably wasn't doing the best job that I could do, which is something that, at, you know, I've learned from where maybe I, towards the end I wasn't giving my best, which is unfortunate. But I think the show kind of naturally ran its course. But at the same time, it also coincided with Cosmo, the channel actually uh, dis like dissolving at SiriusXM. So in, in lieu of me not having a show, I think the management at Sirius thought he might be able to do something in sports. So what they did was they took me and they put me on what was to become the Bleacher Report channel. In the morning, me and my buddy Justin Permany were doing a show. Just basically put me in a studio to justify paying me. Right. <laughs> Nobody listened. Nobody listened. Nobody called for four hours a day. Go figure this out until... Uh, an opportunity with Mad Dog Sports Radio. So to come full circle, I moved to New York in 2005 to do sports radio. I happened to do chick radio for about nine years, and then I went to a studio for about eight months talking to nobody and then eventually ended up doing what I ultimately wanted to do, which is what I do now on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Now, I know there was a time where you tried to get Cox with P as it's shortened to back because of, I'm sure, the listeners that you knew of probably wanting the show to come back and were probably disappointed that it went away. One of the ways to rectify that was SoundCloud. I know there was a time you teamed up with KFC Radio with Sean Ryan Kilby, your former producer, Kevin Clancy of Barstool Sports. That was a pretty interesting way to go about it because the show was still there for people to get an opportunity to listen to. Did you notice that that show was something that maybe your former listeners came back to or new ones even got involved with as well when you did Cocktails with Patrick 2.0? John, I'm not a very smart person. I just told you I was changing oil. Not that it's the smart people don't change oil. I literally, the dumbest thing that I've ever done and, I, I mean, I was working with a genius. Sean Kilby, who was my producer before, and I, and I love my, I love Dustin. I love who I'm working with now. But Sean was a genius. But he and I were both not necessarily opportunists. So when the cocktail show came to an end, you know, podcasts were big, what, four years ago or three years ago, whatever it was. But they weren't what they are now. And if we just started doing a podcast when it ended, we would definitely not have to work for somebody. And so. You know, that was initially in our brain, but I think both of us were just trying to, like, hustle and figure out how to keep a paycheck. And uh, to this day, I would like to say, I think every single day about starting off the Cocktails with Patrick podcast. So I, it is going to happen eventually. But, yeah, that's to answer your question, that's, that's what we were thinking about doing, thinking about doing the podcast. That's good, because that was going to be my follow-up question, if you were ever going to consider potentially bringing that back. I know your days are a little bit more free now that your show is earlier, which may not make sense to some people, but I know in radio it's it's a lot easier now for you to be starting at 6. We'll get to that as well. I, I do have a small bone to pick with you, because... Prepping for this show, I did listen to one of the Cocktails with Patrick 2.0, and you interviewed someone years ago and didn't know who she was at the time as far as how we know her. 
I'm talking about Topanga, one of the stars of Boy Meets World, a show that I grew up with. You just knew her as Daniel Fischel. You're great friends now. You at least probably know a little bit more about the show and Girl Meets World now that she was able to tell you while interviewing her. Is there anyone else who was quote-unquote famous that you've ever had the chance to interview that you weren't necessarily a fanboy of, if you will, or knew of their work? You were just doing a radio interview, and if you were a fan, people were probably extremely jealous that you had the opportunity to talk to them. Okay. I mean, it's such an interesting question because the misconception is that I pretended like I didn't know people because I thought I was cool. The only people I cared about growing up were like Isaiah Thomas, Alan Trammell, and Tupac. <laughs> I literally, dude, I was such a All I cared about was sports and hanging out with my boys and getting drunk. And like, I wasn't a big, I guess, celebrity person. So Danielle Fischel, who is freaking ridiculously nice and beautiful and all that. But she came into the studio and I was like, this chick's kind of hot. And I knew who she was before, obviously, but I didn't really, I, you know, I had heard the name of the show, but I'd never seen the show, stuff like that. But what blew me away about Danielle is she was just quick as shit and she was so funny and all that kind of stuff. But I think there were plenty of people like Khloe Kardashian or the Bachelor people that would come through the studio. What ended up being the charm of the show is that they didn't care about me, and I necessarily didn't care about them, not because I was being disrespectful, but just because it wasn't my world. And when you have an organic situation like that where people are just starting to get to know each other during an intimate conversation, I think that made it a little bit more interesting, in my opinion, other than the fact that I was fanboying out on them. If, you know, Young Buck comes to studio or Jeezy comes to studio and does an interview with me now, I'm going to do a terrible interview with them because I'm a huge fan of them. So when Danielle Fischel came through, I didn't know who she was. And that's probably a better interview than I could have got with Biggie Smalls because I'm just getting to know her, which is a different way of approaching it. Or if, say, the director of Super Troopers stops by and you might tell him that Awkward. you've never seen Super Troopers. <laughs> yeah, no, I regret that. Paul Soder is one of the nicest guys ever, and he directed, acted, wrote Super Troopers, Beer Fest, which I called Beer League, the Artie Lang movie. So I, I think sometimes I think honesty is going to be good. So basically I said to him, yeah, I've never, I've never seen the movie. And I could just see in his eyes just glimmer of disappointment. Right. I mean, this poor guy worked his ass off his whole life to make this movie that became a cult sensation. And who the hell do I think I am to be like, yeah, I've never seen it. But at the time, I thought I was just being genuine. But you know what? Because of that, we now have a relationship, and he's going to be coming in bi-weekly to do movie reviews on the show. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that he would do that for us. So. Right. I was setting but that up for, for you. A little bit of a tease. <laughs> a little bit of a radio tease for all you uh, listeners out there. That's what we do. So there's something that sort of overlaps this. And as you mentioned before, you've never gone down the watering hole to Google yourself or to see what other people might be saying. But if people were to type your name in, they're not going to get a lot of information about what you do as a radio personality and a sports guy and a sports broadcaster, which I'm trying to let people know about. Because some of the things written about who you may be are not necessarily completely correct or they don't go down what you should be known for. And a couple years back, I think it was in 2013, you started dating Stasi Schroeder, who's of the reality show Vanderpump Rules. And one of the things I appreciate, and I'm sure other listeners do as well, is that you've been very open with your personal life and your dating life and things that are going on with you and don't necessarily hide those types of things. But I'm sure that doing that probably had to take some getting used to. And even though you're not necessarily on the social media scene, how crazy was it for you to be around all those cameras and, and that sort of lifestyle that was probably far different than what it was like, say, growing up in Michigan? Yeah, I mean, I'm a redneck. Like, legit, my dad is a postal employee. My mom was a clerical person. I mean, I'm not... What is this? Well, first, let's go back to your original part of the question. The idea of Googling yourself or Twitter, right? So, I mean, I have a pretty good idea of who I am, so I don't really need people to tell me, so that's why I don't look up this stuff. But don't you get frustrated, John, when you hear grown-ass men talking about social media and they say... Literally, oh yeah, I just I don't pay attention to it. I don't read the app mentions. I don't do any of that. And then while they're saying it, you realize that they're the exact same person that obsesses 
over their at mentions and what people are saying about them. Right, like, right. We I, get that a lot that, in like, athletes and radio that, and everywhere. I can sincerely tell you, I've just never, it's not something that interests me. Maybe it's insecurity. I have no clue. Uh, we were talking a little bit before this started. I'm good. Not that I'm good, like, oh, life is perfect, all that kind of shit. You know, I know people are going to have good opinions of me. I know people are going to have terrible opinions of me. And really, they're all the same. To get to your other part of the question, um, when I st- when I started dating Stassi, who is just literally my favorite person on the planet, I told her from the beginning, I said, you know, it started off as a joke on my other radio show because I said I used to clown on reality television, being a little too judgmental. And I said to her from the beginning, like, we can date, but I'll never, I don't want to do reality TV. And she was like, I don't want a boyfriend that's going to do reality TV. I think at the time she was probably looking for something a little bit different. But like the producers and everybody told her, people always say they don't want to do reality TV, but that's just a facade for the fact that they really want to do it. They just want to be asked to do it. So once it came down to, okay, we're now years into our relationship, you have to do reality TV. I was like, no, remember, I told you I didn't want to do it. So it was... um, it was a little odd to navigate, but at the same time, it was by far my favorite three years of my life. What was your reasoning for turning that down? Because most common people, I guess, or everyday people would probably love to have the opportunity to do reality TV, I guess not really realizing what would happen and have cameras in your face all the time and, and what that life would really be like. But if you asked people, would you like to be on reality TV? They'd probably look at what that paid or whatever else would go into it and say, sure, at least in the beginning. What was your reasoning for deciding that you didn't want to be part of that? Well, it's going to be a very cheesy answer, so get ready. I was 35 or 36, something like that, when I met Saucy, and uh, I realized I had never been in love before. So I had dated, but when I met her, I felt different. So when I felt that about a human being, I stepped back and kind of deduced that if we went on a reality TV show together, it may, I know this sounds crazy, the reality may not be reality. (laughs) So I thought, if we somehow can navigate this and keep it separate, I would prefer to continue to be in love with her as opposed to profit off of her. So it maybe didn't work the way that I had hoped, but I genuinely went in with the right purpose to not do that so we could stay together. Um, And plus, like, frankly, I love radio. Radio is a very intimate medium, something that I always wanted to do. I love the fact that you can just close your eyes. You can be blind. You can be anything, and you can paint your own picture. And TV was nothing that just wasn't something that interested me, not because I thought I was too good or too whatever for it. I just didn't, it just didn't get me going. You know what I mean? I like gambling. I like going to watch horse races. I like going to Vegas and gambling on sports. I'd much prefer get a job in that as opposed to doing a TV show. So it just wasn't something that interested me. Not to take this show down to the Cosmo path that you've dealt with with Cocktails with Patrick, but in that relationship, I'm guessing that when things came to an end with that, it was probably the hardest breakup that you experienced. Do you think the experience with Stasi and the things that you were able to go through through that three to four year period will help you now down the road when it comes to that sort of thing, just because you now know what you would be looking for and, and to be able to experience something like that again? My only regret, and this is for every dude listening to John's podcast, would be that I didn't experience every moment a little bit more genuinely. I look at those three years now, and I'm like, that was the best experience of my life in that relationship. But I was too worried about things. You know, I wasn't present. So now I think I would probably be better at, you know, if I were to date or anything like that moving forward, because I would be now as opposed to worrying about before or after or what's going to happen, just experience what it is. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, thanks for making me sensitive, John. Yeah, we're going to switch topics immediately because I knew that was uh, that's a watering hole. We don't need to go down now going. No, to... but I think it is. Well, hold on. Let me inter- let me interrupt you because I think it is important. This is what happened for eight and a half years where all of a sudden what would start to happen on that show is it was all chicks that listened. And then all of a sudden I started getting calls from guys that were at Fort Bragg that were military commanders. And the last show that I ever did on Sirius XM, this sergeant in the army called up and he cried. And he cried because he said, you know, I never, there was never an outlet where a dude was being sensitive or real or just talking shit that was normal in life. 
Um, and so I became more confident and secure in myself talking to women than I ever did talking to any of my boys. So I do think it's important to, you know, often to be real as opposed to just, hey, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Do you know what I mean? I think any guy listening to this right now is probably thinking, I really hope he brings back cocktails with Patrick because I got a lot of stuff that I need to talk about, you know? (laughs) Thank you, John. I appreciate that. That's nice of you to say. So getting to Los Angeles and starting up your new sports show, finally, in the rap, what was that process like to get that show started, to get yourself a producer, to get comfortable being in a late night show for East Coast guys, but almost like a, we're leaving work now, we can listen to this show as an LA guy, along with having sporting events happen all throughout different times of your show as well. It was like the most humbling thing I ever did because when I thought I was, I thought I was Howard Stern, basically, when I, when I got done with my eight years on Cosmo. I was doing a show three to six. I was living in the East Village in Manhattan. I thought I was an important person. And then they were like, we have this position, but it's going to be on from 11 to 2 o'clock in the morning, East Coast. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. And I quickly realized I wasn't what I thought I was. Nope, nope. You'll have to wait until next week to hear the rest of that. As we mentioned earlier, part two with Patrick Maher will air next week right here on Sports Radio America on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. In part two, we'll be discussing how Patrick landed in L.A. with Mad Dog Sports Radio, some of the different things he does on his show, The Rap, and he'll also answer some submitted questions as well. For now, we'll close out the show with America's fastest-growing sports segment. Good try, good effort. Here we'll briefly mention some of the instances from throughout the week when a team or a player or a coach meant well but didn't quite meet those expectations. First up, good try, good effort to the envelope holders at the 89th Annual Academy Awards. Oh, the Oscars. After 18 and a half hours or so of waiting, it was finally time to find out what movie had won Best Picture. Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway came out to present the award, and after the trailers and such, Warren opened the envelope and paused. Then continued to sound a little unsure when he said, The Academy Award for Best Picture... And Faye was like, the hell are you doing? She even gave him a little arm shove. Come on! Thought he was joking around? No, no. He shows her the card and she proclaims La La Land! People expected La La Land to win and we had a couple producers give speeches. But then there was some confusion before producer Jordan Horowitz came back on the mic and said, No, wait! There's been a terrible mistake! Or something along that. Moonlight, you've won Best Picture! I don't know why I gave him that accent, but he basically said that Moonlight had won, and it was a Kanye West-esque interruption of Taylor Swift moment, or the winner of an award saying they don't deserve this, and so on and so forth, but not actually giving the award to the person they think was deserving of it. Oh no, this was real life. This was Steve Harvey Miss Universe moment at its worst. The producer snatched the right card out of poor, poor Warren's hands and held it up to the world to see that indeed Moonlight had won Best Picture. Some thought that Jimmy Kimmel was up to this, another one of his pranks, but even he seemed a little rattled himself. If you notice when John Horowitz grabs the card from Warren, he really doesn't know what to do with his hands. He's not quite sure what to do in a situation that might not be on a teleprompter. He did do okay, though, making a couple of jokes here and there and trying to divulge the situation. But really what it comes down to is good try, good effort. Price Waterhouse Coopers, which is the accounting firm responsible for putting the results together, keeping them under lock and key and under confidentiality, and then having two briefcases with two sets of envelopes that will be given to the presenters before they go to the stage. 
Unfortunately, someone handed the wrong envelope, and it instead was the envelope for Best Actress, which, shout out Emma Stone, in what caused one, if not the biggest, mishaps in Oscars history. That's going to do it for The Bridge. You can listen to this show and all previous shows over on my website at londonbridge.com. That's L-U-N-D-I-N-B-R-I-D-G-E. You can also follow me on Twitter under that same handle, at London Bridge. You can subscribe to The Bridge Sports Podcast on iTunes. Please leave a positive rating and review if you enjoy the show. And by doing so, you'll immediately be notified when new episodes of The Bridge are posted each week. You can also find the Bridge Sports Podcast on Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can also visit londonbridge.com slash email to subscribe to the Bridge newsletter, which will provide weekly updates and behind-the-scenes information about the next show. In the next installment of The Bridge, we'll play part two of our interview with Mad Dog Sports Radio host Patrick Maher, talk more NBA, dive into Major League Baseball spring training, dabble with some college basketball, and whatever else I happen to have up my sleeve. On The Bridge, keeping you connected with all things sports. Sports.